When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneur network.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now onto the show. You're listening to the award-winning podcast, the ambitious entrepreneur show featuring business experts, industry disruptors, game changers, and thought leaders to help you navigate a constantly changing marketplace. Want to build a successful business and become known as an influential voice in your industry? The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show will show you how. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. Welcome to another episode of The Ambitious Entrepreneur Show. This is episode 238 and I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen. Did you know that the average website is hacked 44 times a day? That is a huge number. It is alarming, especially for those of us who are operating online businesses. And I would say many of us who are watching and you listening today are certainly online businesses. Your website is your storefront. Now, joining me on today's show is Neil Feather. Neil is the president of SiteLock, the leading provider of website security solutions for businesses. Neil leads SiteLock's approach to three. 160 degree domain security, providing industry analysis and using rapidly evolving data sets related to security and hacking trends. Now, Neil has over 20 years of experience in technology and system and the systems industries. Now, on today's show, he's going to talk about information on how malicious people target small business websites and the risks that they pose to entrepreneurs online. He's also going to talk about strategies entrepreneurs can use to protect their website and their business's reputation, as well as what is best practice for website security. Such an important topic. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Anne-Marie. It's great could to be not, here. Yeah, could not believe 44 times on average a website is hacked. I think what now that we know that, it, it is alarming how many businesses, unfortunately, have gaps in their security and it's not till something happens that they realise, my goodness, we were exposed. You would have that every day, I'd imagine. Yeah, um, you know, one of the things we we do work with a lot of small businesses and you, like you say, the, the average website does get attacked 44 times a day. Luckily, not all of them succeed, um, but, you know, they're, they're definitely under attack. We are always kind of, you know, hearing from small businesses that they're surprised that they would be a target of, of an attack like that. And I think, you know, one of the things that we notice is, you know, in the news reporting and what you hear about a lot is, large businesses getting attacked, right? Think Sony, Anthem Health, Experian, those kind of folks. And, you know, while it's great that it kind of raises the general awareness when you see these stories that, you know, security is an issue, it also kind of has this effect on a lot of small business owners where they see those large companies getting attacked and they say, well, it won't happen to me because I don't look like Experian. You know, I don't have customers and, you know, I'm not a big enterprise. But the reality is that, um, you know, the majority of attacks end up um, going against smaller businesses who, you know, a lot of cyber criminals view as because they don't have the same level of protection as the enterprise does typically. 
Yes. One of the um, things that I noticed online was when someone was hacked and it was quite an influential voice in her industry and she had a large following on social media. One of the things she did not do was regularly change her passwords and hackers were able to identify what that was. They, they were the same passwords across all her platforms. She said she was locked out. She got a notification that if she didn't pay a, a sum of money, um, you know, all of her accounts would be deleted. And she went from like 400,000 uh, people and her videos were disappearing. They were deleting all in front of her eyes. And anyway, it was horrendous. Thankfully, she got it back, but that was involving a lot of different people. That's the kind of thing that we, we don't hear about often enough in order to really help us understand the things that we're sharing online, the security measures that we have in place and should continue to update can leave us wide open to these. So let's talk about how do malicious people target small business? I've just given an, eye, uh, an example. Maybe you've got similar examples or something different that you're seeing happening now online. Yeah, I mean, certainly, um, you know, password security is one of those key kind of, you know, security hygiene things that we talk to customers about, you know, you don't want to reuse passwords, um, where you can, you want to use um, processes like two factor authentication. So even if someone does guess your password, you know, they still need to, you know, get another, either your phone or, you know, another authentication mechanism in place to actually gain access to your account. And generally, you'll be notified if someone guesses your password so you can change it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the other thing and what we see just given, you know, where we are, we are a website security firm. So we see a lot of small businesses get attacked through their website. Um, you know, for, for a lot of businesses, um, they, they don't own a lot of IT assets, especially small businesses. They may have some computers, um, you know, maybe a BYOD strategy on devices, but you know, for, for the most part, they're outsourcing a lot of their, their IT assets. So maybe they're using, you know, Google apps for productivity. They're using Salesforce or another CRM or desk or one of those. And they're all kind of cloud-based. So the security is, is outsourced. Mm -hmm. um, website, on the other hand, is, is unique in that, you know, small businesses are still responsible for that. They still own a piece of the security of that. And, you know, um, that's where we see a lot, of, a lot of these attacks taking place. It's also unique in the sense that it's, it's really the only piece of your IT infrastructure that you want everyone to be able to see, right? And by the nature of it, that makes it a little bit more vulnerable than, say, your laptop or your uh, mobile phone because, you know, you can hide those devices behind firewalls and, you know, block a lot of the attacks that come in. On the website, you want everybody to see it. You want to have a great experience people in. Um, so, you know, you've got to kind of, by the nature of it, it's just open to the public, um, which means that a lot of people are able to see it, probe it, look for weaknesses, and then, you know, attack those weaknesses. Yes. And you're talking about uh, some of those third-party apps. I'd imagine as they're using those, some of the ones that you mentioned are very well known, that the security that they have you would hope that that was absolutely on par and continued to be, um, you know, updated all of the time. So I think what I'm hearing you say, it's really the website that's open to the public. What are some things that you typically see? Is it through um, apps, perhaps like WordPress, for instance? What, I, what happened to us is we used, and I won't mention names, um, we used a particular um, training application and they mm -hmm. would update their website or their app. And not myself, only myself, but many other users found malware 
luckily, you know, we, we had uh, security measures in place and we were able to do that. But that was no fault of our own. And, and, and they actually had reached out to everyone on their databases, quick, you need this patch, but, you know, this and that. What other things do you see happen? Yeah, definitely. You mentioned, you know, outdated software being a big, a big culprit. And that's true. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of reasons why people don't update their software. It may be, you know, they don't know that they need to, they're not aware that there's updates out there. Uh, maybe they don't know how to update it. Or, you know, in a lot of cases, updating it could break functionality on the site that they're counting on. Um, so they, have to, you know, wait a while to be able to, to update that. Um, one thing that we always recommend is that even if you can't update the software, you patch the vulnerabilities when you become aware of them. Um, you know, all these things are a little bit difficult for a lot of small business owners to do on their own because they're pretty technical, right? And if you're, you know, a small business owner and entrepreneur, you want to, you know, focus on your business, not on, you know, security. So, you know, our, our, our businesses, we try to automate a lot of this. There's a lot of great tools out there. Obviously we, we, partial to our own, but we're biased. But, um, you know, to the extent that you can be kind of staying up to date on, you know, security patching and that sort of thing, that that is a big help, um, you know, to, to stay one step ahead and, you know, block some of the types of attacks like you you maybe experienced on, on that platform. Yeah. I think generally speaking, the software developers do a good job of, you know, fixing vulnerabilities when they come out and they try to be conscientious not to introduce them. But, you know, over time, with any software, new vulnerabilities get updated. Um, and it's important for users of those to find a way to stay up to date. Um, you know, whether that be through just staying on top of it, which can be a little bit cumbersome, or it's through, you know, finding a, a tool or platform or provider that can, you know, stay on top of that for you, um, you know, really based on your level of expertise and comfort. Yeah, I think what you've just said is just so key. And if someone's listening or watching today or even the recording, if you don't have a system in place or a solution or someone on your team or that you can reach out to, such as a third-party uh, provider, you need to get that in place before something happens. Because, And I'll often say to, to, to people, well, if all of a sudden your website was hacked and disappeared, what impact is that going to have on your business? And if it, you know, suddenly realised, well, we would just wouldn't be in business anymore, then it just confirms the importance of getting someone else to do that for you if that's not an area of your expertise, as, as you've said. So let's talk about some strategies. And the reason um, I, I want you to share some of the things we need to be aware of as a way to we don't often know what we don't know. So once we realise what we should be doing, if we realise we don't have this in place, then of course people can reach out to you or other service providers to enable them to get this into place. So what are some things we need to know to protect our website and of course our business's reputation? Yeah, I mean, I think um, one thing that we always recommend is, is to have multiple layers of security, right? There's no solution that's 100%. Um, that's the nature of security. It's about risk management. And so... What we would recommend is that you apply multiple layers. You have proactive measures in place to try to block out attacks. Um, tools like web application firewalls are great for that. Um, if you're running your own network, network firewalls are important for that as well. Um, you know, the other thing is, you know, be, like we talked about, diligent about keeping up to date on patching. Um, automate that if you can. There's a lot of tools out there. Um, some, some, I should say, tools will auto-update themselves. Um, we have tools that help auto update other, other vendors may provide something, um, you know, and then, and last but not least, like have a, a, a plan. What happens if, you know, we do end up having someone sneak through, 
So, you know, be able to identify malware quickly um, and be able to fix it very quickly. It's automatable. You know, that's what you want to do to kind of anyone who gets through quickly remove them. Um, and then last but not least along those lines is, you know, as a, as a small business owner, it's something that people don't think about, but you know, what is your response if something does happen? So the worst case scenario, you know, someone steals one of your employees passwords and gets access to a customer list. Um, how do you respond to that? Um, who would be involved from your company? What law enforcement agencies may be involved? Who's going to be, you know, running point on that, communicating? What would you do for customers? Then that way, you know, if something happens, you have a plan to go back to, so you're not kind of panicked and, and reacting. Yes. Now, of course, we're talking about online, which means that there are people coming to our website and we're doing business for many of us who are service-based providers or have products that can be uh, purchased from all over the world. There are different laws, regulations, and of course, this whole in the EU, all of these changes. And so I'm getting lots of emails and all these sorts of things about data and all of that, um, that people are compliant with that. So as you're talking about things that need to be in place, I'd imagine that whoever you then go to and use as a third party provider also needs to be aware of, and you as a business, what is required at other countries mm -hmm. as well, as far as legality, security and all that, yes? Right, and I mean, if you're doing business in, you know, globally, you should inquire about things like GDPR, for example. Um, you know, GDPR is a great example of, you know, kind of putting a little bit, at least, of formality around some of those best practices. And while it's mainly aimed at consumer privacy protection, there is a chunk of GDPR that deals with security best practices. And so they expect that, you know, you're treating consumers and individuals' data with care. Um, that means being able to manage their privacy, but also managing, you know, best practices around security and just not being careless with that data. So, you know, I do think that they're kind of formalizing some of that guidance, although, you know, there's still a lot of gray area in even those regulations. Um, but I do think that, you know, when you're dealing with a security provider, it's absolutely fair to ask, you know, are they complying with GDPR? How do they manage, you know, regulations that you care about, whether they be governmental or, you know, industry-wise like HIPAA or PCI, for example. Yeah, what's well, really interesting uh, as far as the, the data security of and then reporting mechanisms that need to be put into place. I mean, we're at the moment seeing in Australia our whole banking and finance industry going under commission because of things that they've been doing that have been less than uh, uh, above the table and, and following the rules. And there are stories that you hear, and, and this is kind of taking away the electronic, but, but actual files, files that have been thrown away, filing cabinets with content and, and information about their customers still sitting in there. And they did not think to alert some of the, uh, you know, governing wow. bodies, which they're supposed to do. And, and the same token, that if all of a sudden we find ourselves getting hacked and all of it, you know, part of our database has uh, been taken by that hacker, there are protocols in place that we have to follow to alert various organisations, whoever they are. are. And that's what saying. We need to be aware of who that is, who's going to be in charge of that, who follows that through, and what protocols do you have in place that enables you to secure whatever breach there was. Uh, and I would imagine you need to prove that to governing bodies or, or whoever that this is now happening and this is what we're going to do to ensure that this does not happen again. Yes, is that how it works? Um, yeah, I mean, it depends on the size of the breach and, you know, how, how the, what, what jurisdiction you're falling under and things like that. But in some cases, yes, you'll have to actually show that 
you know, you now have the right, the right procedures in place um, to prevent that from happening or deal with it if it happens again. Yeah. And I mean, you know, sometimes we would hope that no one ever has to go or under the circumstance or, or has to deal with this. But it's one of those things with risk management, you have to have uh, a framework in place because for small businesses having to spend a lot of time and if you don't have a resource or someone that you can connect with to say are you able to handle this if something should happen for us um, that could take time away from you know tasks that uh, we need to be working on in our business let's talk about best practice for website security but firstly I want you just to share maybe in a bullet point form some of the things that you see businesses doing that is completely opening themselves up to, uh, to hacks. We've mentioned already a few, but repeat some of those so that we first identify these are the things that you often see happen that should not be happening. And then what do we need to do to start uh, locking these away, if you will, so that we don't get hacked and, and we have a secure website? Yeah, I think, you know, what a lot of what we see is, is this kind of uh, lack of knowledge or lack of awareness um, for small businesses. So, um, you know, certainly things, you know, using the same passwords is a bad, bad thing to do, right? Using your personal passwords for your business and vice versa, um, you know, and reusing passwords. Um, you know, another one that, that we think is a, is a no-go is not knowing who's responsible for security in your organization. Um, you know, a lot of times we'll talk to customers and they'll say, well, I thought our agency was handling that, or I thought our, you know, hosting provider was handling that. Um, and it turns out that if you don't know who's responsible, you're probably responsible. Yeah. With us as the CEO, as the business owner, for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, the other one in, along those lines is, is uh, not being aware of what software is running on your website. A lot of folks that we work with, you know, when they get their site up and running, they're very excited to add a bunch of features and functionality to it. And so, you know, maybe they add extensions and plugins from third-party libraries. Um, and then, you know, three years on, they may be using, you know, a handful of them, but they've still got 30 installed. Um, and those outdated, forgotten about plugins and extensions and, and features are a really, really popular way for attackers to come in and compromise your website. So if you're not doing some kind of inventory or some kind of, you know, review, spring cleaning, uh, if you will, you know, you're, you're missing an opportunity and opening up a door to, uh, to attack. So I think you know, there's some kind of simple things that people can do, you know, to, to stay one step ahead or, you know, help protect their online presence. Yeah, great, great uh, tips there. I wonder, and I don't know if you guys um, have, have this, but it's, if it's a, like a checklist, a, a big picture view or an overview of some of the key things to have in place. Uh, and one that's not, you know, sometimes you read through various things that sometimes the larger organisations put out and you read it and you kind of go glazed eyes because it's like, oh my goodness, just to read that I need a degree, you know, or uh, language and geek speak to be able to understand. So if you think from a small business owner who's really pressed for time, a big picture overview of some of the things that need to be in place. So definitely, as you've said, uh, and we can map some out now, and you might have some resources that you can share uh, at the end of the show so that people can find out more about your services. So you definitely need to have a list of what security measures do we have in place, such as software. Uh, what do we do regularly to ensure, and these could be some of the, the processes that we regularly secure that, that, uh, that so updating, updating our passwords, keeping them in a secure place. So having a process, and if you've got team, that they do the same. 
Um, what other things from a checklist point of view would you say? Obviously, how are we going to react if something happens? Step one, step two, step three, so sort of like that process. What other things from a high level point of view checklist? Yeah, I think, you know, we think about having proactive security measures in place and then reactive security measures in place. So, you know, what do you have that's proactively stopping attacks and what do you have that is reacting to, you know, successful compromises, um, you know, and, and how are you kind of managing that inventory? The other thing I would say is, you know, have an expert, right? Now, whether that means you're a big enough company that you can hire an expert, or whether that means that you're a small company and you outsource that expertise, you know, have someone who's a go-to uh, for your business for security. Um, you know, you, you have questions or things come up, um, you know, you want to have somebody you can turn to. And, you know, for a lot of folks, technology is not their expertise. It's not their passion. Mm. Um, someone built their website for them. You know, we talk to people all the time who say, you know, my neighbor helped me build my website. He has a son who's, you know, really good with computers. And so he built my website three years ago, right? But now they don't really have anyone to turn to whenever something goes, goes awry. So, network and your LinkedIn network or, you know, in, in your, um, or look for a provider that can help you, but, you know, have someone who can, you can turn to in, in case you have trouble. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as business owners, as we know, and we have said, uh, we're stretched often too thin. Well, too thin if we don't have people that we um, can support on, lean on and, and outsource to, or as you said, collaborate with because they're service providers. We are not experts in this area. And I think this is an area that continues to change so quickly, you, you create a plugin for a security measure and these hackers, they've developed something out. That's what they do all day, every day. They're as smart as anything, aren't they? Really? Well, I mean, it's a business, right? So they they're, have a financial motive to, um, you know, to, to look for new ways to, you know, compromise um, assets, whether that be websites, computers, or what have you. And I think one thing we've talked about a little bit is, is the kind of risk management of it and, you know, the elements to it. And, you know, we're, we're all, all talking, we, we focus mostly on small business, but a lot of times, you know, people will talk about the cost of hacks and, and say, you know, hacks are so, you know, compromises are so expensive to large businesses, large enterprises. And I think for small businesses, you know, the impact tends not to maybe isn't measured in dollars or the dollar impact doesn't seem as large, but it may be the difference between, you know, if you're, if you're an e-commerce merchant or you use your website for generating leads and you're not generating those leads for three days, four days, five days because of a compromise, that could be the difference between, you know, being a, a successful business one day and the next month, you know, struggling to make payroll. So I think to my mind, you know, as I think about risk, you know, it's a, it's a little bit more binary in the small business space. Um, and enterprises have a little bit more wherewithal to kind of, you know, cushion the blow, so to speak, when they're compromised. Yeah. You know, when we talk to small businesses, we, we tend to think about, you know, making sure that they're prepared and educated to, to make wise investments in security, whether that means, you know, buying a product or whether that means, you know, staffing for it or what have you. Um, it's, it's a, it's an important measure that, you know, when you're excited about your business and you're doing great things and you're, you know, building, building something, it's sometimes the last thing you think about. Oh, I think um, the cost often um, when you sit, take a step back and, and really see how it can impact all facets of your business, the cost is just far outweighs what we often think it does. Double it and then double it again. That's what cost is to your business. One security measure that um, one of our service providers, it's, they are in another state. I won't say what business that they were in. 
they hired a new team member, a very large business across Australia. This team member received an email and she had yet to go through the training of what was acceptable, you know, the protocols, if you was, all of that. So she opened an attachment that thought it was very innocent. The entire system went down because through opening that, she released, you know, a software that just infiltrated their system. Their whole computer system was down for, I think, over a week. And wow. they rely on everything, you know, everything was relied on their system, not just their website, but um, the system itself. All the files, yeah. Locked out. And so that was a small business, but, but obviously that impacted their entire ability from an operations point of view. And if you kind of think, could you, your business uh, be able to run without any computer system, not even being able to access your files? And I think when you start to look at it that way, but we need to get it in place, but also security measures from a point of view of how are we onboarding our team? Are we keeping them up to date with, you know, what to do if you're not sure of something? Um, I think this is an email sent by someone out or someone she knew but that person um, hadn't followed uh, security measures and so had got a virus and that sent it onto their database. It was, oh, yeah. I see. You would get this, you would hear about this kind of thing too, yes? Yeah, I mean, that definitely happens to, to folks. One of the other things that, you know, is, is um, a little bit now kind of phasing out, but it's still out there is the, the kind of um, spoofed email that comes from the, someone posing as a CEO or, you know, another um, executive at a company asking someone in the finance department to wire money to an account. Um, and, you know, it looks like it came from, you know, the, the person that, you know, would have the authority to make these kinds of decisions. And, you know, as soon as that money's gone, it's gone. Um, and for a small business, again, like not having the kind of resources to, to cope with that, that can be pretty crippling as well. Those kind of spear phishing attacks that go on. Yeah. It's one of those things, isn't it? If something looks suspicious or just not too sure, or it's out of the ordinary, like, hey, can you send me this and that? It happened to me. I was um, re returning from an interstate trip. I was at the airport and I got an email from the person who I had just met, a CEO, and, and uh, they said, oh, can you help for a moment? And, you know, just a very standard email. I said, yeah, what's, what's, what's going on? She said, I'm in a meeting at the moment, but I'm wondering if you can do uh, this and this. I thought, Oh, by the way, we're not sure how to do PayPal and Connect. If we get you to wire some money, we can pay you back. And I thought, hang on a minute. So I <laughs> are you emailing me at the moment? And she said, no. And I said, well, your, your email, your Gmail's just been hacked or wherever it was. I think it was Gmail, yeah. Oh, okay. So that kind of thing, it started off very innocently. And then at any time, it sort of starts to go, hang on, this is fishy. You know, yes, uh, and ring up yes, phone call. And now, nowadays, too, with so much of your um, uh, information being publicly available on social media platforms and things like that, it is it is easier for, you know, folks to impersonate someone and guess who you are and things like that. So, you know, I think um, you do need to be careful also what you share out there, uh, and, and especially when it comes to sensitive information. Yes. Well, you know, this whole thing that went on with Facebook, which is maybe a little bit off topic, but it still is what I'm seeing people are doing. Um, I received um, notification that through a friend of mine, so someone I was connected with who played a game, you know, from a, from a third party mm -hmm. app, because of that other person's action, my data may have been compromised. So a lot of these things that we are sharing, we're communicating with, we're using, we need to be aware of the fact that we could be opening up 
personal pieces of our data that someone might be mining and using for purposes that if we were to have given them permission or, or not, that we would have said, no, you don't have mm -hmm. permission. That kind of thing is happening. And I think a lot of people just don't, don't know about it. Or they may be aware of it and they just don't care till something happens. And um, I think everyone needs to be far more vigilant, yes? I mean, yeah, I think so. And, and it's a lot of, you know, it's, it's a related topic that we got into earlier, which is the, the data privacy regulations in Europe. And they're kind of aiming at trying to help people become aware of these things and also, you know, work with the industry to, you know, um, erect better guidelines around how to deal with people's personal data. Because, you know, if you want to get value out of a lot of these, um, you know, new technologies, you have to be able to share some data. Um, you know, how do you do that in a way that's secure and, you know, be thoughtful about who you're sharing that data with and, you know, is the value you're getting from this provider, um, you know, worth what you're sharing with them in terms of your personal data and be really thoughtful about that and, and put a value on, on your data as you're doing it, right? Things that seem, you know, that are free, uh, you know, in quotes free, um, you know, turn out sometimes not to be um, completely free because you are giving information about yourself that is, that does absolutely has a value. Yeah, absolutely. Just a couple of other things um, that I'll mention as we're just putting this all into this show and I know this is going to be so valuable and then we'll certainly get you, Neil, to share a little bit more about the services you offer and how to connect with you. Things that I see people um, commenting, you know, that 20 things about me uh, and then they're listing all these things and it's like a lot of that, that information may seem very innocent but someone might be compiling a list and you might use uh, your pet's name as part of your password. You know, these kind of things sound ridiculous, but it, it absolutely can be opening yourself up to all sorts of uh, exposure. Are there any other things that we need to be aware of that we're doing which could, down the track, cause our websites possibly to get hacked or even passwords to some of our social media accounts, which could really be devastating for many of us who are building these online profiles? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think just being careful about what you share is, is definitely, I think from a website perspective, um, you know, we talked about kind of finding an expert. I think that's important. Um, you know, I also think that, um, you know, being, being on top of it, knowing who's responsible for these things also matters. And then, you know, use technology wisely, right? So there's, there are great tools out there to help with this. Um, I, we certainly don't, and I don't think, um, you know, most people involved in, in providing website services for small businesses don't expect um, entrepreneurs to be experts in security, no. right? So, you know, um, there are a lot of great tools out there. You know, I would say avail yourselves of, of those and, you know, try to try to make good decisions about, you know, how to, how to set up your online presence based on what you need from that. Um, and, you know, I think the other thing I would say is just never kind of allow yourself to be complacent. Um, you know, I think people too often kind of, like we talked about at the open, feel like this can't happen to us. We're not a target. You know, no one will target us. The reality is a lot of these things are automated now. And so, you know, it's, it's just as easy for someone to compromise, you know, 10,000 small businesses and they get a lot of value out of that versus compromising one large business. Um, and it'd be easier to do and much more lucrative, you know, for them to continue to do that. Yeah, great, great insight. So, Neil, share a little bit about what you do and the services you offer and the best way to connect with you. Sure. So, uh, we offer a suite of website security products. So, for any small business who's running a website, um, we have products that will help you find, fix, and prevent security issues and accelerate your website to make sure that your customers have a fast and safe experience with you. 
Uh, we work with a little over 12 million websites worldwide. Um, and the best way to connect with us is, you know, on our website, sitelock.com or on any social media platform, we're uh, at SiteLock. Yeah, fantastic. 12 million websites, my goodness. So that would keep you very busy. <laughs> it does indeed. Um, it does keep us busy. The, the landscape never... Uh, it's a constantly evolving um, piece, but you know, it's interesting work. Yeah, I can imagine. Really of course, we'll put we all love the details uh, for you, Neil, on our show notes, ambitiousentrepreneurnetwork.com forward slash AES238. Thanks once again for coming on the show. Oh, yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's fun. You've been listening to the Ambitious Entrepreneur Show, brought to you by BeTheDifferenceMovement.com, changing the world one message at a time. Do you feel called to influence real change with your message? Join our supportive community of like-minded influencers, thought leaders, and disruptors at www.bethedifferencemovement.com. That's bethedifferencemovement.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.